Oh, that's good. Thank you. For telling me. <laughs> we've got uh, <laughs> we've got the word. We're recording. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Complete Sports Media's podcast on the Complete Media Network. I'm your host, Darren Campbell. And joining me on a Sunday this time instead of a Monday, Jason Cameron. Hey, Jason, how's it going? I'm, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I, I, I've just seen some excellent basketball uh, today that just finished, and uh, I, I couldn't be happier. It was good nice. games, good games, good games. Awesome. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, that first game, I uh, can't wait to get into talking about that first game. It uh, looks like Hawks were going to blow them out. I don't know how the Sixers came all the way back like that, but uh, almost pulled it out. It was uh, an incredible miracle comeback, but uh, the Hawks did gain first blood in that one. But uh, why don't we talk about the game that just finished, just as we were coming to air, the uh, game seven between the Clippers and the Mavericks and LA clawed their way back from three games to two down and uh, won two huge games to finish off the series and, and take it. Uh, what were your impressions of that final game? I was impressed. I was impressed by the resilience that the Clippers showed. And I also too, I was impressed with the growth that Luca is still going through. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to say this. I kind of thought in my mind that the Clippers should win this game. And for one reason, one reason only, that's because their two superstars, the Paul George and Kawhi Leonard actually have the experience yeah. to know what to do to push through in an important game of this magnitude. Yeah. And Luca is still figuring that out. Right. Yeah. That was the reason why I thought the Clippers would win. And that's what happened. And then their veterans also stepped up. I think Markeith Morris had like over 20 points, 23 points. Um, not Markeith, sorry, Marcus Morris. Markeith's yeah. the other brother. So Marcus Morris had 23 points. Like though their guys stepped up yeah. and they got buckets when they needed to get buckets. And the Mavs just didn't have enough. They couldn't hang. Not to say that Luca didn't have a fantastic game. Let me see. 46 points. Yeah. All right. So 14 assists, seven rebounds. He, he did pretty good. He did pretty good. You know what I mean? But at the same time, he just, they, the Mavs didn't make shots at the end of the game where the Clippers did. And that was the difference. And another thing I want to point out in this game, because the guy's just been disappointing me the entire series because he didn't show up. And that was Christoph Przingis. If that guy had decided to show up for any one of these two games that the Mavs lost, they win. Sure. The yeah. But he just, I'm looking at, I'm like, I'm literally, I'm looking at the offense and I go, does he even slash to the hoop anymore? No. I, I swear, most of the yeah. time, he's just hanging out at the three point line yeah. and not even involved in the offense. I know. What yeah. are you doing? You used yeah. to be really good. <laughs> I, I have no idea what's going on with that guy. Go on. Yeah. Seven foot three, uh, you know, it looked like the Mavericks were going to have that size advantage in the series because the Clippers really go for small ball most of the time. And, uh, you know, they were able to have Boban in there and Chris, Chris stops at the same time. And you thought, you know, they'd have a rebounding advantage, a lot of second chance points, a lot of good inside presence there. If they'd start double teaming, um, uh, Luca and uh, yeah, Kristaps uh, just, yeah, his numbers, you know, they weren't horrible today, 16 points, 11 rebounds, but 
you know, he needs to be more of a factor there. He needs to be that secondary guy. He needs to be able to, you know, take the pressure off of Luca. Luca can't do it all himself. And, and yeah, it was um, really too bad that he doesn't have the same kind of help that um, some of the other superstars in the league have. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that literally is the difference. Yeah. Like you, you could actually argue that it was literally the only person that really helped him on those wins when the, the Mavs won was kind of like Tim Hardaway Jr. Yeah. On big wins, Tim Hardaway Jr. really showed up, yeah. but he needed more help. Yeah. But yeah. you could say too, that he, he kind of forced this game seven on his own. Yeah. So he grew from the last, from his last playoff series in the bubble to this time he's growing. Yeah. And which is kind of scary because now he has this experience and now he has a better understanding of what to do and how to conduct his orchestra, his offense, when he comes back to this uh, position again, which he will be back here again. Let's not kid ourselves. The guy's just, this is like, what, his third year, second year in the league? Third, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, he's he's incredible. He's incredible. He almost had a 46-point triple-double, right? Incredible. In a a losing effort. But at the same time, this kid is going to be a problem, but he needs more help. And I thought Pazingas could have been that person, but the more I see him play, the more I'm like, well, mate, I guess he's not that guy. Yeah. He used to be that guy, but he's not that guy anymore. And uh, Dallas's bench really let them down. Uh, today they only had six points from their bench, uh, while the Clippers got a big contribution. They ended up getting 27 points off their bench. Uh, they, they really um, relied a lot on Marcus Morris. Today he had some great outside shooting. Uh, Paul George played pretty decent, uh, 22, 10, and 6 for him. And, um, yeah, Kawhi, uh, man, he just so often proves how lethal of a scorer he is. He's probably the best jump shooter that doesn't go for threes all the time. He just finds open areas, and he's just deadly. He's just so incredibly proficient. When he finds an open space, he can just hit Two points, two points, two points every time down the floor. And when teams start missing three-pointers, uh, uh, Clippers just start getting a lead, and uh, they keep out there. Uh, if he gets off the floor, it seems like the Mavericks were always catching up. But as soon as Kawhi came back in, he was just able to get those two-point buckets on and on and on, the occasional three-pointer. But, man, he is just such a deadly shooter. Once he gets to his spot, it's kind of over. Yeah. Like, if he's on – or if he has to say, well, I guess I got to put the team on my back again, <laughs> then it's over. Like, like yeah. he's proven that he can do that. He's proven that he's a playoff performer. He's proven that in the biggest games, that guy really, really shows up. Yeah. And, and that's something that Luca is still developing. Right. And, and, yeah. and, by, and for sure he will get there, but it just wasn't his time at this point in time. Yeah, and Kawhi just finished one assist shy of a triple double, and yeah, just really uh, proved it uh, that you know he is you know such a superior superstar. Uh, there was so much talk in LA about when LeBron came to LA and got AD to come over there. They had to kind of mortgage the farm, but they were able to win in the bubble, and it looked like okay, this is going to work. Uh, we're going to you know start a new dynasty here uh, when. Kawhi decided to leave Toronto and go to the other LA team. And he, he said, I, I want Paul George here. Then it looked like these two LA teams were going to be 
competing for championships, going all the way to the Western Conference final. Lakers are gone. Clippers are moving on. Uh, big shock for you? Yes and no. Um, I would have expected the Lakers to move on if AD had stayed healthy. Yeah. He did not. <laughs> he tried to give it a go in their last in that last series against the Suns, and then he was immediately pulled. But the reason why he was immediately pulled too, the Suns sense blood in the water. They go, oh, he's weak. Great. Attack yeah. him. Attack and him so up. they attacked his lateral movement. They attacked, they just they went at him. Sure. And they got him out of the game pretty quick. That's it was smart. a very smart and astute move by yeah. the Suns. Yeah. So yes, I'm not surprised because LeBron being the elder statesman that he is now. Yeah. He just doesn't have it in him to continue to keep carrying a team forward. Right. He just just doesn't have that in him. Not to say that he didn't have a great uh, series or a great game. Yeah. I think it was like, yeah, like he actually had himself a very, very good game. I believe LeBron had 29 points, nine rebounds, seven assists in that game. Right. So that that's that's not that's not a that's not a bad game. <laughs> it's not a bad game. But yeah. unfortunately, LeBron needed like to have more like 37 points, 10 rebounds, like, you know, like he needed more and he sure. just couldn't provide more. He just, yeah. he's not there anymore. He's yeah. not the guy. Anymore. Yeah. He, uh, you know, might be human. Uh, we kept uh, being shocked every year, you know, he's getting into his mid thirties and he seems to be as good or better than he ever has been. So, uh, you know, we, we just kind of expected, year after year that he would will his team to the final, no matter, you know, what guys went down, he would, you know, pull in a Roomba, pull in a, you know, this kind of a guy, that kind of a guy, whoever, and just, you know, assemble a team that could make it. But um, yeah, this, this year they, they did, they gave up much too much for AD their uh, bench and their secondary players are, are just really not, able to jump on when they get the opportunity. Uh, you made a comment about a week ago of how many great players uh, came from there that you can see in the league that are stars now. Yes. Next. Yes. And you just said, you know, can you believe all these guys were on the Lakers a couple of years ago and now yeah. they're, they're stars in other places. Uh, do you remember that text? Yes, I do. I remember the text because like, I remember the fact that like, you, you talk about Julian Randle, you talk about Jordan Clarkson, you talk about Brandon Ingram, you talk about Lonzo Ball. <laughs> All four of those guys are doing fantastic since they've left the Lakers. Mm. All four of those guys had to leave because LeBron's is like, I don't, I don't see any value here, so you guys got to go. <laughs> yeah. And then they left. <laughs> and now they're doing fantastic. And probably LeBron is kind of right and in respect because I don't think that system that they were in was going to benefit them anyways. Right. And so they flourished in other places, but it just goes to show how much they had to give up along with their first rounds and whatever, how many draft picks they had to give up. I have no idea. I can't remember that, but right. I, it was a lot. And so you see how much they had to give up. And now that they have this team that they're kind of saddled with, because I believe like they're, they don't have a lot of wiggle room anymore because of the contracts with these players that they have on the team. Like this is their team going forward. That's it. That's what they got. They can do a little bit of changes here and there. This is it going forward. So they're going to have to pray that for the next season that AD can stay somewhat healthy. Yeah. Like at least if he's going to get injured, which he probably will, 
like during the regular season that at least through the playoffs that he's super healthy so that they can make another run because it's pretty obvious now after this that they absolutely need AD to challenge for a championship. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny that uh, Charles Barkley started calling street clothes and, uh, you know, I I don't see any of the Lakers being happy with Charles saying that and really, uh, you know, making quite a start of a statement, trying to make people laugh. But, you know, unfortunately, it's followed AD around for his whole career and he just doesn't have that uh, ability to stay healthy. No, he he doesn't. And I, it's a problem with everybody that I can see anyways in the league from for, for years, decades, you're above seven foot. You just, your body just doesn't hold up like the rest of everybody else's. It just doesn't. But especially in AD's case, he's fragile. (laughs) Like his body's fragile. Like anything can happen. And then all of a sudden he's out and I give him credit. He did try to give it a go, but the Suns knew that he's compromised. So we're just going to keep testing him until we get him out of the game. That's exactly what they did. I couldn't believe to see the list of injuries that he's had this year. And then to go back in his career, how many ailments and problems he's had and how many games he's had to miss in his career. And you're right. Um, you know, when you're seven foot tall, uh, you just don't seem to have that ability to stay completely healthy. And that first game today really was a, a an example of that, uh, Joel Embiid was banged up coming in. He was questionable. They didn't even know if he's going to be able to play. And uh, he played. Uh, he didn't uh, play amazing early, but um, stayed in there the whole entire game. Gave the Hawks the biggest run for their money. Uh, it looked like so often in this game, it was just going to be a blowout. Uh, they were up by 20 and 25. And, you know, it stayed that way for a very, very, very long time. And then I don't know what, what the Hawks did. They just seemed to come off the gas a bit, weren't hitting any shots anymore, and uh, the Sixers almost pulled off this comeback. It was amazing because, like, the comeback literally happened, like, in the last four to three minutes of the game where you're just like, what? What's going on here? Like, are they making a run? Weren't they just <laughs> down by 20? Like, yeah. and then they did it. I will say this. Um, Doc Rivers had an amazing scheme for putting pressure and that's the way that they, the, the Sixers decided to. And that's another thing that's very scary about the 76ers. When they decide to really play defense and bear down, that's that's ridiculously scary, man. No. They turned the Hawks over like it seemed like every other play in the last three minutes of the game. They just no. kept turning them over. And I'm like, wow, man, like that's something that. The pressure, um, the pressure the Hawks, they put on was amazing, wasn't it? That pressure. Oh, was it? It was amazing. Yeah. It, was, yeah. it was absolutely amazing. That's something that the Hawks head coach is going to have to address because he's like, oh, man, we can't have that happen again because they they almost fell apart yes. at the end. And the guy that actually came to their rescue and cemented the deal with Bogey, Bogdanovich, hit that timely three uh, with, like, less than a minute left yeah. and then hit his three throws to salt the win. Like, yeah. that, that was what saved them, man. That yeah. literally was it. Yeah. Otherwise, they probably lose this game that they yeah. had well in hand up until the last couple of minutes. It just goes to show for me, the game is never over until it's actually over. You got to play right to the end. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. I was really surprised that Hawks were handing it to them so badly. Um, they outscored them 42-27 in the first quarter. 
32-27 in the second. So they had a huge lead going into halftime. Uh, it still was, you know, very, very uh, Hawks advantage going into the fourth quarter, but Sixers uh, outscored them 41-29 in that fourth and uh, made it a four-point game. Uh, there was there was some crazy plays at the end there where you're like, oh, well, they're five points ahead. You know, there's 10 yeah. seconds left. All of a sudden, holy cow, he he uh, steals the ball. Boom. Uh, now it's down to three. Oh, we, you know, just had so many crazy plays in those last two minutes. Uh, but yeah, Bogdan Bogdanovich was uh, a great uh, 21 points and, and uh, he's a lethal score, a huge free agent pickup for them. I think um, understated in a lot of areas, but I think a lot of people uh, didn't expect him to be able to contribute this well to them, but He's a, he's a really deadly scorer when he gets an opportunity. And, and uh, John Collins also had a great game for them, uh, 21 points. Uh, I've always liked his game. Clint Capella is a defensive presence in there. He gets his rebounds. And, uh, yeah, the Hawks are great. Uh, I'd, I'd be shocked if they knocked off the Sixers being the number one seed here. But um, I think this is going to be a super fun series. I think it's going to be a great series because now that you have Trey Young literally coming into his own. They keep showing that stat of like the first six or seven playoff games for anybody. He's right up there with the greats right now. Like he's right up there with the greatest. And again, I point to the fact that Nate McMillan is his head coach and the fact that he's really grown into the position of being a true point guard of when to score, when to pass. Like it's, you can see it now. Like, it's like, wow, this has really been paying dividends. I always thought from the beginning, I, I said that from the beginning of this year, the Hawks lineup looks deadly. Yeah. I said that, and I was like, man, these, these guys look good. Like, if they can figure it out, they're going to be really tough to deal with. And from this series right now, you're just like, okay. They took game one in the 76ers' house. Yeah, This is going to be pretty good. It's going to yeah. be pretty good. They almost gave it back to them, but they didn't. They won the game, so... You look at this series and you look at Doc Rivers and you think he's going to be able to outcoach pretty much everybody in the league. He's, you know, one of the most brilliant minds. But uh, Nick McMillan uh, really has done wonders. You've you've mentioned him many times as being such a great coach with Trey Young. Uh, Trey Young last year had his struggles. Uh, he turned the ball over way too much, took a lot of shots that he shouldn't take. Nate has really reeled him in and really showed him how to be a true point guard. And, you know, he's a great facilitator. Uh, he, he's, he's leading the league this year in floating uh, shots, float shots, and yeah. leading the league in assists off of drives. So, you know, he, when he's able to utilize that skill and that speed, he's deadly. He's being able to get those other guys involved. And, and yeah, the Hawks are a really, really tough team with Nate as the coach and, you know, being able to help Trey become such a better better guard yeah and especially now that trey literally once he does that drive you have one of two things that you need to do either give him the floater or you take away the log but you can't give him both <laughs> you gotta take one of you gotta take one of those things away and he's savvy enough to go oh so you're gonna take away the floater lob like because capella is gonna be right there in the dunker spot ready yeah. to dunk the ball so yeah. you know like it's it's going to be tough, but I'm just going to say this. I don't think the 76ers are going to wait for the next game to finally turn on their defense. I think that's just going to be an immediate thing. I think the Hawks are going to 
really going to feel the wrath because mm-hmm. when the 76ers, as shown, when they want to turn up the deep, their, their defensive pressure, it's some, it's amazing. Yeah. It's, it really is. It's amazing. Uh, ben Simmons uh, struggled from the free throw line again. He's got to really shore that up. That's his biggest weakness. That's something that teams are exploiting. Uh, that really bit them today. If they would have had those, I think he missed seven times from the free throw line today. They would have had those seven points. Uh, you know, it's a different game. Um, yeah, I, I, I hope he goes back to the drawing board this offseason and figures out that shot and, you know, becomes a half-decent free throw shooter. I think he was maybe three out of nine or something like that today. Three out of, No, maybe three out of ten, I think it was. Uh, you know, not very good for a guy that's handling the ball that much. No, no, not very good at all. Not very good at all. Um, like the knock on Ben Simmons has always been like, well, it would be great if he could develop like a jump shot, which is just the most ridiculous thing for anybody to say because he's in the NBA, right? But that's kind of the problem. Like, so if because if he could develop a jump shot, then that means his free throw shooting would obviously exponentially benefit from him actually having a jump shot. So I think that's something that he should be working on. I, I, I don't know what to say about that. Like, it's it's kind of like, it's like, kind of like a fundamental thing that every basketball player needs. It's a jump shot. So I I don't know. But no. again, I, I just want to point to Young, 35 points, 10 assists in this game. And yeah, he, he was magnificent. And Embiid, even with a bum leg, 39 points, nine rebounds. Oh. I, I, you know, not, not bad. Not bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on one leg. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. 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 Uh, yesterday there was a Titanic matchup that I loved. I, uh, I, I can't believe how great this series has the potential to be the bucks and the nets, uh, two teams with so many weapons. Uh, a lot of people are picking guys, uh, the teams I have heard, you know, a lot of people on the Milwaukee side say they got that finally last piece with drew holiday. Uh, a lot of people picking the nets obviously because of their big three. Uh, but it was pretty shocking yesterday in the first minute, James Harden going down and the Nets still were able to pull out this victory. Um, that's pretty incredible to show their resilience. And they've been able to have moving parts all year because none of these guys have been healthy all season long. Uh, but uh, must have been pretty tough for Steve Nash and uh, that coaching staff to realize, oh, man, our, our main guy, he's he's out already one minute in. Uh, but they regrouped and, and had a big win. Yeah, like it it would suck for Steve since he's you know he's a Hall of Fame point guard or soon to be anyways. Yeah. Um that all of a sudden Harden's gone and he just goes, Oh, he's going to the back. Oh I, yeah, it doesn't look like he's coming back. Okay. <laughs> change of plans. And but they were able to change their plans pretty quick on the fly because you know what? They actually have experience doing that. They gained that through the regular season, having to deal with all the various injuries. And I'm going to be honest, man, even if Harden's gone, Nets can still they, – they can they can win this series with just the two of them. Yeah. Like, like yeah, they can win this series. It's so ridiculous for me to say that, but, yeah, they can still win the series without the two of them. I love what Drew Holiday had to say at the end in uh, his, uh, the post-game uh, interview where he goes, really sucks that James is got hurt and everything. Good better. for us. Okay. Better for us. Yeah, 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 and I, I loved how calmly he said it. It's like, yeah, it really sucks, but really good for us. Yeah, 
really good. <laughs> and I and I and I honestly, I don't. The injury looked bad enough to me. I don't know if he's going to even be able to come back for this series. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was a huge blow. Um, uh, Blake Griffin stepped up. Uh, probably had his best game in years. Uh, he was really great interior presence. 18 points and 14 rebounds. Um, he's he's been able to suddenly get some legs uh, where you thought that he's his injury woes had just uh, basically uh, left him on the ground a little small vertical. Uh, but suddenly, uh, yes, he's been reborn there. Had a fantastic game. Yeah, like you thought he was grounded. Like his his flight skills were grounded. But I guess getting out of Detroit. Maybe just just uplifted him. Now he's like, no, I think I can take off again. I think I can be not not the Blake of old, but I can I can at least fly and I can dunk a little bit more no. than what I had been for the last couple of years, which was not at all. So, and then Kyrie Irving with twenty five points, eight assists. KD again, solid as always, twenty nine points, ten rebounds. Um, they I I love the fact that they actually have KD. They had Tucker pretty much matched up with KD for most of the, most of the game. Yeah. I think they stay with that yeah. because, you know, it's KD at the end of the day, he's, he's going to get his points. He's just going to try to make it tough for him. And that, that, and Tucker definitely can do that. He's a rugged defender and he's physical. So, yeah, and he, he did a great job on that. I, at least I thought. I thought yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, the other guy that stepped up, uh, obviously, uh, they needed a guard to step up uh, when Harden went down. And uh, Mike James uh, came in, played 30 minutes, uh, was a, a really good facilitator and was really able to get his energy up. Uh, fantastic that he was able to step up. He had played almost nothing in that previous series. Um, he comes in and he's played all over the world. Uh, he has been a world traveler uh, with his basketball career. Uh, he has played in Croatia, Israel, Greece, played uh, in Moscow. He played in uh, Italy. He's played in Barcelona. He's played uh, just all over the place. It's crazy. Uh, what a basketball story and, and really cool to see a guy later in life finally get an NBA shot, uh, having you know to bounce around a little bit, but uh, thrust into the spotlight and, and played great uh, this game. Yeah, yeah, he, he really did. I, I think they found themselves a little hidden gem by getting him on the team when they did. So, and I know that from the last team he was on, he was a star. Yeah. He was a star on that team, right? But he had a difference of opinion, I guess, with the management from that team. So they basically said, you know, you can go. And yeah. he said, I will. I'm going to go to that other league that's like the best. I'm going to go to the best one. I'll talk to you guys later. And so and that was uh and that was a good that was a good move on his part. Um kind of cool too that Mike James has actually been able to go all over the world like that. So it's now he actually has that worldly experience and he knows what perseverance is all about. He knows what the dedication to the craft is all about because it took him that long to get to this point. Now that he's here, look at that. He's prepared, he's ready, and he's in the playoffs. Like yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. I think um, it was, I think it was Joel Embiid that said something to him. It said, uh, you know, I think point guards have that ability to jump from Europe or other leagues in the world and come into the NBA and still be able to be 
really quite dynamic because you're it, no matter what team is out there, usually their point guards, one of their best players on the team. So no matter where in the world you're facing some really good talent, you're having to handle the ball so much. You're having to, you know, protect it, dish it. You have to be able to shoot it too. And he said, big guys uh, maybe have a harder time to make that transition because there's not the same type of talent level big men around the world as there is in the NBA. So, yeah, pretty good point, I thought. No, that, that's an excellent point. That's an excellent point because he's absolutely right. Because for most of the time, like, your guards, so one of them guards, have to be probably one of your best players on the team. And so he's going up against some of the best players on other teams in other countries. You know, yeah. so he has that experience. And then going back to the Bucks, though, um, uh, Giannis – had a great game, 34 yeah. points, 11 rebounds, Dude. and Holiday, 17 points, nine, uh, nine rebounds, six assists. The only thing that really hampered the Bucks in winning this game was the fact that they missed all their three-point shots. Jeez, yeah. They didn't hit any threes, man. Yeah. They didn't hit any threes, and six that was really 30. the difference. Yeah. Six for 30 from, from downtown, and, uh, you know, like uh, we've heard lots, you live and die by the jump shot. Uh, once it wasn't falling, they needed to – you know, change it up, but uh, they just kept shooting from outside and, you know, possession after possession, they weren't, were coming away with nothing. And uh, that was just definitely one of the biggest factors. Yeah, it was a huge factor. It was a huge factor, but you know, at this, at the end of the day though, they're, they're not going to shoot like that the next game. I guarantee you that they're going to hit a couple more threes for the game too, for sure. Yeah. Bryn, Bryn Forbes had been phenomenal in that previous series against Boston uh, only had five points in this one. Um, yeah, a lot of their, you know, deadly outside shooters just uh, were cold this game. I don't know why. Uh, but, um, yeah, uh, Brooklyn got the uh, first game. And even though Harden wasn't there, yeah, hopefully it's not too serious for Brooklyn and they can uh, get him back and have the big three. But I'm, I'm really looking forward to this series. Uh, I think, uh, you know, both teams are very, very evenly matched. And, I think uh, it's going to go along. I, I, I almost guarantee it. So uh, tomorrow we've got game one between the Nuggets and the Suns. Uh, I think another phenomenal series. Both teams have had really, really, really good years. Uh, what do you um, What do you expect we're going to see out of this one? I expect to see a good series, but I do. I still expect the Suns to come away with the win in this series, and I expect them to come away with the win because of the fact. That again, to harp on this, because of the fact that Joker's been playing so well, but the fact that Jamal Murray is not there is still, it's it's going to hamper them. It, yeah. It's going to cause them some grief that they don't have that guy there. Yeah. And the Suns will have all of their weapons available. And it looks like Chris Paul has actually got over his shoulder contusion, stinger injury to the yeah. point that I think he's going to be good to go, nice. especially with this time off and the treatment that he's gotten. I think he's going to be great. Um, yeah, the Nuggets, luckily, have had a lot of their young guys step up. Monte Morris and uh, Michael Porter Jr. being two of the keys yeah. in their win against the Trailblazers. But the Trailblazers thing, the thing that they need to shore up for next year or for every year, Dame deserves more help than what he got. Mm -hmm. They need some de – like, they need players that can play defense. Because that's their Achilles heel in the Trailblazers. They had nobody that D 
play some defense, man. And and that's that's their problem. They need defense. They need defense going forward. But anyways, Nuggets versus the Suns. I think the Suns win this in six. I think the Joker has enough to get two games, but I don't think he'll have enough help to win the series. Yeah. Yeah, my pick uh, for the final uh, was the, the Suns against the Nets. And um, yeah, I'm still on track. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it's coming together. My bracket's been really good. I've been getting all the, the series right so far, so I feel good. Million dollars to the uh, person that gets the perfect bracket, so I'm still on track for that. We'll, we'll see if it keeps, keep, keeps together, but uh, a lot of people had the Lakers beating the Suns. Uh, Nets, you know, obviously have been a, a favorite, but didn't finish number one overall, so uh, those were my picks. Uh, we're talking about the Joker. He outplayed Nurkic so badly. They were former teammates. Uh, it was just not even close. Uh, Jokic has had such a phenomenal year, and and by all accounts, uh, everybody thinks he's going to win the MVP. I saw a really interesting article about him, and he's going to um, make the record books if he gets the uh, MVP. He will be the lowest ever draft pick uh, to make to win the MVP in NBA history, uh, really neat. Uh, he was drafted uh, 41st overall in the 2014 draft, and there's only uh, two other guys that were non-lottery picks to win the MVP before. Uh, we've been talking about both of them today in that Nets uh, Buck series: uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Steve Nash winning it twice. And they're the only two guys that have ever that have ever won it that weren't lottery picks. So uh, to draft him number 41 overall, and for him to um, come through with an MVP year, it's just unprecedented. Yeah, it's it's actually unbelievable. That is, I I had no idea. I did not realize that at all. So that that is that. Well, credit to their scouting staff for the Nuggets to go. I think we got a gem here, boys. We got a steal. We got ourselves a steal. And also, too, before we move on, I just have to say, Darren, if you do win that million dollars, I know we talked about this before, but thanks, man, for splitting it 50-50. Okay. Your guy. And okay. I, I appreciate that. I really do. I don't remember that conversation, but yeah. <laughs> Good one. Good one. <laughs> Yeah, I have a few more little tidbits from that uh, uh, Jokic talk. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, so there have been 44 MVP awards announced uh, since the merger of the NBA and the ABA. 17 trophies have been awarded to number one overall picks, led by LeBron James. He's won four. Magic won three. Kareem won two. Tim Duncan, two. Shaq, David Robinson, Walton Iverson, and Derrick Rose all won MVPs each. Uh, between draft picks number two and number five, we've got Michael Jordan with five MVP awards. Charles Barkley, Kevin Garnett, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden all have one MVP award each. The draft picks between six and ten, Larry Bird, uh, three MVPs, Steph Curry, two, and Dirk Nowitzki has one MVP uh, for himself. Uh, the picks between 10 and 14, we've got Carl Malone winning two, Kobe Bryant and Julius Irving won a piece uh, MVP awards. And then down outside the lottery, we've got 
Steve Nash and Giannis Antetokounmpo with two MVPs each. And Moses Malone uh, in the ABA just before that merger, he won three MVPs and he was picked uh, uh, much, much down the, the road. But uh, yeah, pretty cool, uh, pretty amazing and uh, incredible for him to be able to rise to the top uh you know shine this year especially with jamal murray going out being able to you know still uh persevere on and uh win this mvp it looks like he's he's got it and uh, has the nuggets rolling even though jamal murray proved last year how valuable he is uh the joker still is able to keep uh, yeah keep alive and not not be double teamed enough to you know uh, eliminate him he was he was dominant in that last series for sure Oh, yeah, yeah. He was definitely dominant. And again, like I've always pointed out to you, he had he had more than more than one assist in that in that win. The last win against the Blazers, he had six assists, 36 points, eight rebounds. But as long as he he doesn't just have one assist that he's got the ability to win the game. He's got the ability to win the game, but they're going to be up against it tough because the Suns actually do play like defense. So, yeah. It's going to be a completely different series for the Nuggets. Yeah. Uh, we talked about Portland a little bit and uh, them needing, uh, you know, some help from Dame, getting some defensive help would be crucial. Uh, Terry Stotts was fired yesterday. I was kind of shocked by that news. Were you? Well, uh, I, yes and no. Again, um, I think the organization was probably thinking to themselves, they probably needed to change or to go in a different direction because their, their the defensive rating was just so atrocious for years under Stotts, and he never was able to get that under control or make that better or just anything of that nature. Their offensive rating was through the roof. It was always the best in the league, but their defense is atrocious. Yeah, you, need to, you need to do something about your defense. So I think, yeah, they'll probably get in a coach that, Obviously, their offensive system works, but they need a coach that really has to bear down on their defense yeah. and ask more from these guys or get more players that can actually play defense for the Trailblazers because it's it's clearly their Achilles heel. They can score, no doubt about that, but they need to D some people up. They need to get stops when they need stops, and they just haven't been shown to be able to do that yeah. so far. Uh, Orlando Magic also decided to move on from their coach, Steve Clifford, uh, moves on after a pretty abysmal year, 21 and 51. Um, I guess the only thing that we should touch on before we move on is uh, what do you see in this Clippers Jazz series now? Uh, Their first game is Tuesday night, 7 o'clock our time. Oh, man, it's going to be a great series. It's going to be a great series. This Actually, this series has the potential to do exactly what the Clippers Mavs did, go seven. Mm-hmm. I believe, though, I believe that the Jazz are a better team. I think the Jazz come out victorious and they win this series. I really do. I think the fact that their, their three-point shooting is just so lethal. Well, actually, for both teams, but I think Jazz uh, in the regular season were a better three-point shooting team than the Clippers. I think it's really close between the two. But I think also, too, like, I think the Jazz are just rolling. I think they are offensively and defensively as a unit, as a team, they are rolling and they're rolling well. So I, I think the Jazz come out of this um, this particular series as the winners. But it, it's it's going to be a dogfight. 
It's going to yeah. be tough because the Clips have Kawhi, and that guy's really, really good. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah, he's uh, proven it again. I uh, I thought, uh, yeah, Dallas really had a shot to knock him off there. They just had to win one of those last two games. But, um, yeah, yeah, Dallas just needs uh, one or two more guys, and uh, then they'll be able to compete with the top top teams in, in the West. Uh, so, uh, okay, we're going to move on to the UFC next. Uh, they had a big card on Saturday night that we can break down. Uh, I do want to talk about our partners and sponsors briefly before we do that. So uh, let's say, talk about Anchor, a great partner and sponsor for Complete Sports Media. Fantastic on po- po- uh, posting on multiple podcast platforms for us. Uh, they call themselves the easiest place to make a, a podcast. So all you have to do is go to anchor.fm and... Uh, all the details, and you'll be able to do something like uh, we're doing here. Uh, Verbero, the hockey equipment and apparel company. They are an industry leader in technology, performance, and value. And the V350 stick is a must-have for any of the players in your family. Uh, Pampas and Possibilities. They design and sell dried florals, do floral arrangements and installations. And Forever Living, the aloe vera company. They grow and manufacture aloe vera-based products for health and beauty. So thank you so much to all of our partners and sponsors, as always. And we uh, get to talk about the USC, which um, turned out to be a great card. Uh, Heavyweights highlighted on this one. And uh, we saw two really rising up-and-comers face off in the main event. Uh, and Jarzinho Rosenstrike, uh, he is one of those guys that he just needs one shot and he can change the whole entire complexion of a fight. Uh, he was able to finally land that glancing blow on Augusta Sakai, uh, put him down, uh, grounded pound him a little bit, and uh, it was over. End of the first round. It kind of reminded me of his Overeem win where he just decided, uh-oh, 10-second, he could hear the 10-second clapper and decided, oh, I better finish this off right now, and he sure did. Yeah, yeah, he really did. Like, they, that was, it was clearly to me, it looked like a field-out round between both guys, where there's like, okay, I'm just going to try to get your timing and stuff like that, and I'm like, okay, well, I guess this first round's going to add, no, the fight is over. <laughs> I, I, was, I was shocked, because he literally pounced on him in the last 10 seconds of that round. And I'm, I'm going to say, I think a lot of fighters kind of take their foot off the gas because they know that the round's about to end, big deal. Whereas with Rosenstrike, he's just like, good. He's, we won't be expecting this. I'm going to yeah. blitz him now. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. and he did that, and he got him out of there. Like, I didn't think, I honestly didn't think he had enough time. No. But I guess he knows better than I do because he knows the power he has in his hands. He's like, no, I got more than enough time. Yeah. I thought it might have been a little bit of an early stoppage, but when they showed Herb Dean up in front of Sakai, as Sakai was standing up, he actually started wobbling. Yeah. He, he really wasn't able to stand without help of defense. So I'm like, okay, well, I didn't see that at the time because, you know, the, sh- the, the shot, he hit him with the left, Hit him with the right. It was kind of a glancing blow. He went down. I, I guess the, the shots that he landed on the ground were 
powerful enough to really wobble him. But um, did, did you see what I was talking about? He really, oh, yeah, oh yeah, when he stood up. No, I, I saw that. I saw the staggering, but I, I I do remember off the replay once he hit him with the left and the right. The right was what put him down. He actually hit him behind the ear, okay. which would mess with the equilibrium, right? And so he falls over, and then well, that dude punching you on the ground when your defenses kind of sucks. So that's when Herb is just like, okay, or he dies. Let's get in there. And yeah. Herb is one of the best, I think, period, just as a ref doing his stoppages. He could clearly see, you know, I'm going to need to stop this because, as we saw then after, the results of that was he can barely stand. <laughs> yeah. Good stop. Good stoppage. Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah, it turned out to be a really good stoppage. Yeah, uh, Sakai, uh, he's a big boy. He, um, you know, I think he, he's a, a really good fighter. But, uh, yeah, once that shot hit him, uh, he wasn't able to stand. And then he was gone. Uh, Rosenstrike uh, just said, I want a top five guy. Uh, he has lost to Francis Ngannou and Cyril Gane, uh, two of the biggest boys out there. And obviously Francis, the, the champion. Um, who, who should he fight? Who do you think the USC is going to put him up against uh, coming up? Could be Volkov. Okay. It could be Volkov because I don't, I, I believe out of the top five, he doesn't have a fight yet. Nice. So, so it could be him. I put him up further up, but I don't know if anybody's available. I guess Stipe is there too as well. But I don't know if they would give him Stipe either, right. you know. So I, I'd say I'd say Volkov might be yeah. the best bet out of all of those guys in the top five. Good call, yeah, very good call. Uh, he got 50k for the knockout, and uh, yeah, it was uh, one of those ones where yeah, you were thinking, okay, eh, I guess one of those uh, boring kind of feel out fights. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just going to go into the uh, you know mission between the rounds and we'll, we'll yep. hopefully we'll see some better performance in the second and then bam it's over it's that was a that was very stunning for sure yeah it was it was shocking it was shocking because i i wasn't i was about to go and like just grab something to drink because i'm like okay i guess this is over so and then all of a sudden i'm like oh oh no it it's actually is over like <laughs> <laughs> yeah it happened yeah. quite quickly so it was cool work, yeah uh, the co-main event was fun. Um, wow, Walt Harris came out and had Marcin, uh, Marcin Tubora in all sorts of trouble in a world of hurt. Uh, he really rocked him and had him. He was uh, unloading on him like crazy. It's amazing that Tubora was able to withstand it and remain in the fight uh, and then turned it around. Got him down and was able to get the victory. Uh, it was a, a really phenomenal comeback, and he really proved that he's tough and he has a huge chin. Yeah, and unfortunately for Walt, this has happened to him before. This has happened to him before. He he got he'll hunt for the knockout because if he has his man hurt, he sees blood in the water. But unfortunately for him, he has to remember these guys. Are Super tough. And they're really hard to put away, man. No. And so I think once you're in the midst of that excitement, you have to pull it back. And right. he has to pull himself back and be like, can't burn myself out right now. And especially if this guy manages to get me to the ground because 
that's clearly been one of Walt uh, Harris's um, weaknesses is that he has a hard time trying to get back to his feet yeah. when he gets taken down. That's in his Achilles heel. That's something that he definitely needs to work on going forward. Like he needs to work on his takedown defense and, or he needs to work on getting back up immediately once he gets taken down and not accepting the position. Yeah. Because once Taboro got him down and then all of a sudden took his back, flattened him out, and then that was all she wrote. And to Taboro's credit, the man can take a punch. <laughs> My goodness. Like some of those punches that Walt Harris gave him, you know, most heavyweights are out of there. Most heavyweights are out of there. But Walt Harris has to remember, now he's fighting the best of the best all the time. Yeah. So even how powerful his strikes are doesn't necessarily mean these guys are going to get out of there, you know, because yeah. they're just as tough, just as well-skilled. So he yeah. has to, I think he has to learn to take it back a little bit so that he gives himself some breathing room, some space, because if he can hurt him once, he can hurt him several times after that. He has to remember that. Yeah, I feel like he, uh, yeah, he he just wanted to empty the gas tank and and, and take him out. But, uh, you know, I think if, yeah, if you're right, if he would have, Step back, you know, landed some more shots at distance. Uh, Tabura was going to go down and you know be out, and but yeah, he um, he gets a little too excited. Uh, yeah, he put himself in a vulnerable position, was taken down. He um, yeah, he once uh, once Tabura had his back, it looked like he wasn't able to get that hook in, but once he got that hook in, flattened him out. It was over just like that. Mark Smith just jumps in and, and ended it and. Uh, yeah, it's disappointing because you know Walt Harris's story and you, you cheer for the guy. You really want, you know, some good things to happen. But uh, that happened with him against Overeem. That happened here. Uh, he's He's got to work on that uh, ability to get off the ground and uh, get back at, at, you know, at distance so he can land some of those heavy shots again because he is so tough on, on the feet. Oh, yeah, man. And he's got plenty of power. That That's clearly obvious. Like, so... Just getting back to his feet, uh, the takedown defense, and also, and two, uh, this cardio. Just just work on those three things, and I think this guy, the sky's the limit. But yeah. he needs to shore those weaknesses up, for sure. Uh, that's the fifth straight win for Tabura. Uh, he'll have a top 10 ranking now. He was number 11 going in with uh, Walt the Big Ticket Harris at number eight. So um, good for him. Uh, enters the top 10. He'll be facing some uh, incredibly tough heavyweights going forward. Uh, I want to talk a, a little more of the main card, but I do want to jump in right now and let's talk about Tanner Bozer. Uh, he fought on the prelim card and uh, our Canadian uh, friend of the show, uh, recent guest here on a podcast episode. Um, yeah, he faced Elir Latifi. And uh, by all accounts, from, from everything I've seen on online, social media, uh, everybody except two judges thought that Tanner Bozer won this fight. And uh, it was, uh, it's disappointing because he came in uh, three and one in his UFC career until these last two defeats. Um, he, I, I guess, uh, will be really super disappointed that, uh, you know, he got this loss, but um he can't let it go to the judges anymore. It's just, uh, they're not favoring him. Um, what do you think of it as a whole? I had him winning the fight too as well. I, it was extremely close, but I had him winning because 
Latifi, the one thing with Latifi is like once he gets to you to the ground, like like he's he's like a he's a barrel. He's like a he's a barrel of a man. Like he's a beer barrel. Like it would be incredibly. It's easier for me to say all he's got to do is like battle and get to his feet. That's a hard dude to get to your feet back up on. Like like that guy is super heavy and like his center of gravity, like all that pressure on you. And to Bozer's credit, he did battle back to his feet. Uh, he did in that he, first round, yeah. In that first round. And I was just like, oh, that, that's actually pretty impressive. And the other thing with Latifi that I've always noticed is that when he does get you to the ground, he's more of a position type guy. He's just going to keep you there. Bozer really didn't take that much damage when he was down there. No. That was the other thing. Yeah, because okay, so if you if you have the top position, and then you're going to give credit for him for doing that, but you, but if he's not actually doing anything with the position, then you can't give him any more credit than that. Yeah. It's just it's just him taking the position and laying on it, and that's what he did. And so I'm like, well, that that's not going to win you the fight. Like he's not even doing any damage or anything. Mm-hmm. And and Bowser was. Like when it would go out, when he was on his feet, he was the the busier fighter and he was the more efficient fighter. Yeah. And I think when you take that into account, I thought Bowser should have won the fight. Yeah. Be honest with you, I, I I really did. And when I heard the judge's judgment, I was like, oh, oh. And I and as you see Bowser's response to the judges, and he was just he was disgusted with it because mm-hmm. he's like, no way, man, I shouldn't have lost that fight. And I I completely agree with him. I don't yeah. think he should have won. Yeah, no, it's it's unfortunate that uh, one takedown, you know, a bit of control is going to win that round for him because Bozer was, you know, really light on his feet. He was hitting him with harder strikes. He was keeping away from any damage on the feet at all. Uh, the only thing that Latifi did was take him down and hold him down for about a minute, but did nothing in that position. So, you know, every... Normal person that's watching that fight sees that Bozer won that round, uh, won the second round. Latifi probably wins the third round because he has control almost that whole round. But but you're up two rounds to nothing. You know you're not able to win if you don't uh, uh, win it when it goes to the judges. So uh, yeah, it's it's shocking and disappointing and it's frustrating when you're really hoping for a guy and you really think that he did it and it goes to the cards and it goes the other way. Um, it's just, it's, it's just gotta be devastating for a guy like that, his whole camp, uh, you know, everybody that's worked hard on getting him, you know, getting him there. And, you know, it breaks down because of a couple judges, you know, see a takedown as, you know, Oh yeah, that won the round. It's just really crazy. And let's hope we can see a, a complete shift. We can get new judges in there that, uh, you know, can really see what you and I see and what a lot of the, you know, experts uh, see, you know, in this community. Uh, it's just happening almost every card. We're uh, questioning these judges' scorecards and and it's, it's changing guys' lives. Like this could, you know, this could lead to the UFC saying goodbye. We, we, we don't want you part of our organization anymore. And it's wrong. It's completely wrong. No, it, it absolutely is completely wrong. And also, too, I, I want to point out the fact that a lot of these judges come from boxing circles. They, they weren't raised in the MMA world, you know? So what they know is boxing. Yeah. So if you know boxing, then how are you judging MMA? Uh, know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, like it's just, 
It's it's yeah. not it doesn't benefit the sport whatsoever. So hopefully at some point in time that is rectified because boxing judges should do boxing matches. Yeah. MMA judges should do MMA. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, he took to social media and um, I think it was Twitter that he asked uh, Dana White and the matchmakers, uh, please give me one more shot. He has one fight left on his contract. He wants to fight next month. He said, I'm not hurt, got no damage. Let me fight. Please let me go out. If I lose, see you later. I'm done. I'm moving on. But uh, he wants to get right back in there and avenge this. Uh, do you think they give him a shot right away? I think, though. I, I think so, actually. I think he, he's uh, genuine and he's honest. And Dana White, for all his faults, he does like people that are upfront with what they want. And he usually tries his best to give them what they want. So I think I think he gets his wish. I think he will get a fight within either next month or the month after, but it will be pretty quick. Yeah. I texted him uh, a little bit earlier in the week and wished him good luck. He texted me back, said thanks a lot. Uh, I, I appreciated that we had a little communication uh, fight week. I don't usually like to bug fighters yeah. much uh, during fight week. Uh, you know, it's it's so much on the go and usually, and you know, especially guys that aren't in the heavyweight division, if they had a cut weight, it's a, uh, it's painful and pretty uh, irritating to be uh, having to deal with anybody, but it's nice to be able to reach out to him. He uh, responded back. I reached out to him late last night. Uh, after the fight just happened, I didn't want to bug him for a while. I wanted it, you know, to, for him to be able to process it and, you know, sort of, start uh, getting over it. But um, yeah, I texted him late last night and, and uh, sent him, uh, you know, message via social media and stuff like that. A lot of people had taken to social media and said, you know, you were robbed. I can't believe it. This is wrong. You know, you won that fight. Uh, it was all very favorable for him. Uh, hopefully he's able to bounce back quick. Hopefully we're able to get him on. I, I don't want to just, you know, talk to winning fighters. I want to talk to guys that are going through their ups and downs in their careers. And, you know, eventually when they become, you know, you know, top five, top 10 champions, things like that, um, you know, we were there all the way through thick and thin. So hopefully he'll come on and, and be a guest with us very soon. Yeah, I, I hope so too. And, and I, again, I, I do hope that the UFC finds him on pony quick so that he can get back on the, on the winning track because that, that fight was, that was egregious. Shouldn't have lost. Yeah, that's brutal. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, where where else would you like to go um, on this card? Uh, I definitely want to talk about the Ponzinibbio Baeza fight, uh, fight of the night, maybe fight of the year. Uh, one of those amazing battles. You want to start there? No, no. Actually, I I, I wanted to start with the one fight that I, I was actually really pissed off at. I, I didn't like the way that it was ref, and that was the delete say star star poly fight. Right. I hated that fight yeah. because I thought I thought Michael Bisping was absolutely right in his assumption of why isn't the ref breaking that nonsense up up against the cage? Because that's all the fight was. The lead right. say hugged him, had his back, and kept him up against the cage. And I'm like, that's not a fight. You can't <laughs> do like what are you doing? No. This is this is garbage. Yeah, this is garbage. 
And I understand what, what I know that Dominic Cruz is playing a little devil, devil's advocate with what he was saying, which is, no, well, if the guy can't get out of the, he can't get out of that, then, and I'm like, yes, but what is this? Is what this is it? Yeah, it's just hugging. He's hugging me. He's engaged. I don't want to see this crap. I, I don't want to see this. No. So that, 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 that seriously bothered me. That seriously yeah. bothered me. And I think the ref, if you're stalling, because that's what I call that, I call that stalling. If you're stalling like that, you got to break it up the fight, start them in the middle of the cage, or sorry, in the middle of octagon, do it again. Yeah, do it again. So I just wanted to mention that. Yes, the leads they won. Great, yeah. awesome, good stuff. Okay. Well, that's that's why, I, yeah, that's why I sort of glossed over it because, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't fun. It was a very yeah. Fight and uh, oh. yeah, there's nothing much to, to talk about other than you know what you said. So, uh, good point. But uh, this welterweight battle between Ponzinibbio and Baeza was uh, wow, uh, what a battle! Uh, I couldn't believe how much Ponzinibbio took damage to his leg, but uh, continued on. Um, man, two tough guys that uh, just really were in a battle, and uh, one of my favorite fights I've seen in a long, long time. I I thought Ponzinibbio was not going to win this fight. Like I, I was, I'm looking at the first round and I'm like, Baeza is destroying his lead leg. That calf was absolutely annihilated. Yeah. I still can't believe he was able to keep fighting on it. Like I was just like, what is, what is this guy made of? Wow, this is impressive. And then with his compromised left calf, because I think it was always his uh, left leg that was front forward. In the second round, he came after him, which I was just like, what is happening right now? He's no. coming after him? <laughs> pushed forward, pushed forward through the pain. Ponzinibbio showed me so much heart that I haven't seen. It's rare to see somebody push through like that and just say, I'll, I'll take four to get one. You know, mm. like, I, and that's what his mindset was. He goes, mm. I'm just going to keep going forward. I think I can break this guy. And then to Baez's credit, didn't break. No. He didn't break. He didn't no. break. It, this was a fantastic fight. But what was even better, what was even better about this fight was what Ponzinibbio had to say after his win, after this amazing win, which was the fact that I had a staph infection, a bone in, that turned into a bone infection, which turned into me almost dying. Jesus. What's a little couple of little leg kicks going to do? What's that going to do? <laughs> Nothing. Now wow. you're gonna have to kill me to get me out of there today, and I, I was just like, it was pretty obvious. Yeah, man, <laughs> that was that was something else. That was something like superhuman for him to go and do what he did. Amazing play. You and I say this pretty much uh, on the breakdown of every card. Uh, these are tough human beings. It, it's almost like they're not human. It is amazing the the punishment that they can go through. The, the life uh, challenges that come their way, life-threatening illnesses, and they can still uh, come in and, and put on performances like this. It, it, it's just incredible. These are, these are some of the most elite athletes in the world, and you know, they, they just put on amazing displays uh, every weekend. It's just incredible to see stuff like that. Yeah, it is. It is. Like, <laughs> again, I, I just didn't think Ponsonibio had it in him. Because you saw how compromised his, his leg was. Like, even when he's, he's moving around the ring, you're like, that's not good. Like, I don't think that's – his movement pattern wasn't normal. 
was super awkward, like because he was super hurt. And then he's in the second round, he started really landing his jab and getting into the boxing range and starting to really land on Baeza. But to Baeza's credit, he still kept his composure and was firing back. Like it was, that was one heck of a fight. And Baeza should not be disappointed in his effort whatsoever. Yeah, that was his first loss, but look at what the guy had to do to actually win against you. Yeah. That's incredible. So incredible. Uh, he called out uh, Vicente Luque um, after the, the fight. Uh, Luque is uh, number five in the division. Um, he's on a three-fight winning streak, uh, beat Woodley, Brown, and Nico Price in his last three battles. Uh, man, I, I would love to see that one. I hope they can put that together. That would be great. Um, I'm just going to say this to Ponzinibbio. Check. Check them leg kicks, buddy, because you're going to have another steady diet of those coming from Luke as well. Yeah, you're no going to have to start checking some leg kicks. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't take punishment like that every time and, and come no. back because, man, yeah, those those leg kicks were freaking deadly. I, I was like, uh-oh, yeah, Ponsonibio, he, he can't be, he can't survive this, but, yeah, super, super tough. Uh, yeah, Baeza, you know, phenomenal uh, first loss. Um, you know, what a young up-and-comer. And, -comer. and uh, yeah, I, I, I look forward to seeing him soon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> I definitely look forward to seeing his next outing because it took that kind of effort to beat him. It took that kind of effort to beat that guy. And he's going to grow from that. He's going to learn from that, too. He's going to be like, oh, all right, well, I can't beat them all. And then sometimes I'm going to have to exercise even more ridiculous effort to get the win because that guy got the win over me because he literally wanted it more. Like, yeah. I remember at one point in time, I think it was Bisping says, who wants it more? Who's going to dig deep? And then Cruz is just like, I'm just waiting for somebody to fall over. And nobody's doing that yet. Like, <laughs> It got to that point where they were just like so tired and still swinging at each other. It was uh, awesome. Great was fight. Awesome. Yeah, it was so great. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, we were running out of time, but uh, do you want to uh, talk any more about this main card? Uh, that Tudorovic and Rodriguez fight, uh, two super powerful guys. Uh, Robocop, I, I was shocked. Uh, he, man, he is really, really, really powerful. Uh, those guys both had 17 finishes in their 19 victories coming in. So, uh, I thought this was going to be, uh, somebody going to sleep, but it went to a decision. Uh, Rodriguez taking it, um, man, uh, these guys both are, uh, big, big, big for that division. Oh man. They were powerful guys. Yeah, they were, they were big. I was, I was super impressed with uh, Rodriguez's UFC deb debut. I thought he, he put together a masterful win. Um, I thought his, his stand-up was great, even though Todorovic has this weird head movement where he slides back Backward, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And so Rodriguez actually adjusted pretty well, I thought, and followed it up, jab first, miss, what? and then follow up with another punch, you know what I mean, so that he would get to his head. But again, Todorovic has one heck of a chin. They both do. They both did. They showed that. Great hard fight and a great win by Rodriguez. You know, because at the end of the day, Rodriguez's stand-up was the difference in this fight. Yeah. Um, 
on the prelim card, uh, it was really too bad that Mason Jones, um, Alan Patrick fight. Uh, Mason Jones uh, had a spectacular first round and had uh, Patrick in all sorts of trouble. Really tough to see that eye poke um, ended up making it a no contest. That was too bad finish. Yeah, that, that sucked because Jones was definitely well on his way to a win. Um, and I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I, I think the guy was playing it up. No, no. And the instant replay, you could clearly see the finger go kind of deep into the eye socket. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that was a good call. No contest. It's unfortunate for Mason Jones, but um, the other thing that I want to say about that particular fight, and Bisping actually alluded to it, fingers up, I think. I think that was the rule. No, nah, man, fingers not at all. Like, those should be if – you, if you have to put out your, your hand as a range finder, it has to be in the shape of a fist. No. no more fingers up, no more fingers up, like fist. That's no. it. No. Yeah, that, that's, what I, that's what I think. Because I point. think that rule is ridiculous. It shouldn't be no. in there. No, it's uh, we're seeing way too many eye pokes and fights having to be stopped and and guys compromised, uh, you know, starting to be blinded in one eye. And, you know, yeah. Michael Bisping's had to undergo eye surgery because of eye pokes. And, you know, we've seen too many problems uh, with it. So, you know, they, they've got to you know, stop that and, you know, penalize guys severely. So it stops. Uh, we can't have guys finding range with their hands going out like this. It's just. It's, it can't yeah. happen anymore. Yeah, it can't. So uh, a lot of decisions on the early prelim card. Uh, I, um, you know, I, I liked a lot of the fights. There's a lot of really good up and comers coming there. Um, uh, I, I like, uh, I love that first fight of the night, uh, Claudio Buelas against Jordan Levitt. Um, I thought, uh, I thought the uh, monkey King was going to, uh, take it, but uh, yeah, uh, El Nino from Peru was, uh, yeah, just uh, yeah, phenomenal. Um, it he he was really good on his takedowns and was able to um, yeah keep keep Levin in the compromising position. Uh, was got the better of him. Lots of uh, lots of action on the ground. Uh, really good, really really good um, grappling exchanges there. Yeah, no, there was great grappling exchanges, great uh, scrambles. Between yeah. the two, and yeah, I, I agree with you. I kind of thought the other guy would win, but uh, ah, well, there you go. There you have it. Yeah. I, yeah. I did want to point to one other fight that I really did enjoy because I really love watching this particular guy fight, and that was uh, Salikov versus Trinaldo. Right on. Salikov, yeah. that dude is a master at his striking on his feet. Like He is absolutely amazing, and I thought Trinaldo would be overwhelmed by him. Not even close. He was not overwhelmed. That dude, it doesn't matter who he fights. And if it doesn't matter, like he didn't win this fight, but Salikov is going to feel every bit of that the next day yeah. because he beat him up. <laughs> they beat yeah. each other up. But when you fight Trinaldo, know this, you're going to be sore the next day. You're going to get beaten to get that win. And that was not an easy win for Salikov, but he – uh he still pulled it out with his technical superiority when it came to his striking. That was the difference in that fight. And again, like I said before, I just love watching this guy fight because he has no tells when he strikes. Even when he throws his spinning back kick, there's no tell for that. You know, yeah. you never know when it's coming and it's super fast and quick and accurate. 
So. Yeah, no, you're right. That was a hell of a good fight. And uh, yeah, two super tough guys. Trinaldo, super veteran. And uh, yeah, he's he definitely beat the other guy up a lot and uh, yeah. lost the fight. But man, uh, what a performance. Um, okay, wrap on um, this UFC performance. Uh, they are heading to Phoenix uh, next Saturday for UFC 263. And uh, there are two title fights, uh, two rematches in title fights on the docket. Uh, the main event has Idril Adesanya against Marvin Vittori. Uh, there was a lot of trash talk between these two guys. They faced each other before and it ended in a split decision for Adesanya. Uh, I think Vittori really lost that fight. I don't know why one of the judges gave it to him. But um, yeah, do you see Vittori being able to even one up them uh, this time and uh, take the belt this uh, for this go around. I think it will be close. I, I think it will be a closer fight, but I, I believe Adesanya still wins this fight. I, I, I believe the the um, I think the results will still be Adesanya. Might not. Well, you know, I don't know if it'll be a split decision. Because I, I agree with you up on that last fight. It shouldn't have been a split decision in the first place. Like, that was ridiculous. So, um, I, I'm kind of curious to see the new wrinkle that Vittori brings into the ring, though, into the octagon for this particular fight. Like, I'm very curious because if I'm Vittori for myself, I take this this fight immediately to the ground if I can get, it, get a hold of him. I take him to the ground because that's the path of re- least resistance. That's the path. That's the way to win this fight against Adesanya. Yeah. Take him to the ground and beat him up. Sure. So I, I would imagine that Vittori is going to try that unless he wants to go mano a mano and just try to stand up with him, which I think is the wrong idea. I yeah. think it's completely wrong idea. Yeah. Yeah. Well, after Adesanya beat Costa so badly last time, uh, you know, I, I, I see Vittori in that sort of similar type of fighting style. Uh, Adesanya's confidence level is just rising through the roof. And the last style bender just is so elusive. He's such a great striker. Uh, he just has incredible footwork, uh, great fast hands. Um, yeah, I see him having the advantage. And uh, I don't see many of these guys being able to compete with him. But uh, Vittori has that puncher's chance. He's a um, tough guy, uh, has probably learned a lot after uh, his last loss to Adesanya and will We'll see, uh, you know, we'll see what his camp utilizes the game plan. Uh, hopefully, uh, yeah, it'll be a really competitive, great battle. Uh, the co-main event has Davison Figueredo against Brandon Moreno, uh, two, and uh, a hell of a fight they had uh, last time. Really, really amazing battle. Uh, ended a bit in controversy, obviously. Um, what do you think we're going to see this time? This is what I do hope. Number one, first and foremost, that both guys are absolutely healthy and there's nothing holding them back from the performance of their lives because I think it's pretty clear nobody's backing down, nobody's backing up in this fight. This is, this is going to be a barn burner. I cannot, I absolutely cannot wait for this fight because that first fight was so ridiculous yeah. in scope. Like it was just so ridiculous. So I am super looking forward to this fight. I think... I'm going to give the slight edge to Figueredo, especially knowing the troubles he had in the first fight, how compromised he actually was. Right. And so as long as he's healthy, I think 
he wins, but by no stretch is this going to be an easy win. No. That dude is super tough, Moreno. He is not an easy out. Rigoretto, better be prepared for this. I'm not probably going to be able to knock this guy out. No. This is going to be a five-round war, and I need to be prepared for all five rounds no. because that's how tough this dude is. I tried it before. Didn't work. No. Now I'm super healthy. I still don't think it's going to work. <laughs> Because that guy is just that good, and he's 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 just that good. Like he has that Mexican heart, that Mexican warrior spirit. Where just like you're gonna have to kill me to get me out of here. <laughs> well, I'm still gonna be in your face for the entire fight, which is what Moreno's gonna do. He's gonna be right in his face the entire fight. It's gonna be an excellent fight, man, and I can't. Yeah, yeah. No, I can't wait to see it either. Yeah, these are two really great uh, rematches. And uh, that first fight was a hell of a fight. One of the fights of the decade and, you know, something to, to behold. And, uh, yeah, I'm super happy they're running it back. And uh, it'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be really fun. I think it'll be a five-round war, like you said. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's razor thin. I, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd hate to put money in either guy because, uh, yeah, you really can't see too much difference between both these guys. They're both incredibly proficient and super, super tough. So, um, okay, we've also got a ton of great fights on this card. This is a really, really hell of a stacked card. Uh, Leon Edwards, Nate Diaz. We haven't seen Nate in a while. Uh, it'll be fun to see him back. Leon Edwards, uh, you know, has been doing really fantastic in his career lately, and uh, this will be a great, great fight. Yeah, and hopefully no weird eye pokes or anything like that to derail this fight. Um, and it's just gonna it's always great to see Nate back in the octagon. Yeah. Well, it's actually it's always great to know that Nate made D Dana pay him money so he could <laughs> have to fight. Like I, I actually get great joy from that because Nate is Nate and he's just like, Well, I'm not gonna fight unless you pay me like <laughs> a lot of money, Dana. Nice. And so that's pretty cool. And I can't wait. I think this is gonna be a great matchup. It's going to be a great matchup, man, because uh, we haven't seen Nate for quite some time. Uh, maybe he has some new wrinkles to his game. But this is one thing you can absolutely guarantee. He's going to bring the fight. And it's going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be so great. We've got Damian Amaya, Bilal Muhammad. That's a hell of a great matchup. Paul Craig, love his accent, love his fighting ability. Jamal Hill is his opponent. Prelims, we've got Drew Dober fighting Brad Riddell. Hell of a lightweight battle. Uh, we've got uh, Lauren Murphy, Joanne Calderwood, great women's flyweight fight. Two really tough girls in that uh, in that one. Uh, we've got the Canadian Hakeem Dawadu against Mavzor Evluev. Um, man, those two guys are phenomenally tough. A uh, huge amount of fights on this card. We've got Canadian Alexis Davis fighting uh, Panin Kanizad, and uh, we've got Frank Camacho. Chase Hooper's back, uh, the youngest uh, fighter on the UFC card, the youngest guy that they ever signed, uh, Jake Collier. Man, like just on and on and on and on. Great, great, great fights on this card. Uh, I cannot wait. Yeah, it's it's a great card that they put together. Um, and yeah, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good one. It's gonna be a good one. I I, I hope that most of our listeners are able to watch this particular UFC pay per view event because it's it's gonna be good. Yeah. Can't wait. Can't wait. Let's do it. Uh, speaking of cards, there's one tonight. Uh, I don't know why Sunday, weird uh, night to have a card, uh, but there's a 
boxing exhibition going on tonight between one of the greatest of all time and Floyd Mayweather. He's fighting, um, uh, you know, complete idiot and Logan Paul. And uh, they decided to put this together, this um, exhibition boxing match, uh, pay-per-view from the Hard Rock Miami Stadium in Miami, Florida. Um, ah, geez, like, I hate even, even giving them any airtime at all but um i am i guess uh will you be will you be watching no 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 i i will not be watching i i've actually i've had to have this conversation with a very good friend of mine um because neil is his name is neil he loves this stuff he's like <laughs> oh i can't get enough of this this is so cool and i'm like i'm just, I'm just absolutely disgusted by it like i i I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think it just does boxing a disservice. I think it just, it, it, it goes to the point of, you know, how people think that boxing is a little bit corrupt. Yeah. Well, it kind of is because you got a YouTuber who doesn't actually have any sort of like legitimacy in the boxing world, but he's able to get in because of his notoriety, right? And then, but at the same time, I have no idea how he's able to raise all this money. I don't I, I still don't get where all this freaking money is coming from. Oh. I don't know how he's doing it. And I can't blame Floyd Mayweather because Floyd Mayweather at the end of the day is a very savvy and smart businessman. <laughs> he's going to make almost, I don't know, I think anywhere between 80 to 100 million for this eight round exhibition fight. Yeah, if you're just going to throw money away, I'll take that money. Thank you very much. Yes, so that's smart on Floyd's part, but I, I, I'm sorry. I just, I don't support something like this. I just don't because it's not boxing to me. If I'm going to see boxing, I'm going to watch like what was on like last month with Canelo Alvarez and Billy Joe Saunders. I'll watch that kind of stuff because that's boxing. This is, this is just farcical entertainment. Tiger King in a boxing ring. Like, you know, <laughs> that's what this is. Yeah. They have, they have a couple of uh, actually legitimate fights on this card, but I want to—I'll—I'll I'll just tell you those quick, and then I'll tell you the rest of the card. It's just unbelievable. Like I don't even know why they would put you know a lot of these fights on, but uh, Badu Jack is fighting in light heavyweight against Durbin Col Durbin Kalina. Uh, Kalina's fifteen and zero with thirteen knockouts. Badu is 23-3 and three, 13 KOs. Light heavyweight battle there. A super welterweight fight between Jarrett Herb, who's 24 and 1 with 16 KOs, and Luis Arias. At, he's 51 and 14. Huge experience, obviously, a 10 round fight. But um, those are the only two legitimate, legitimate fights uh, on this card. Uh, Chad Ocho Cinco is fighting debut. Uh, he's fighting a guy named Brian Maxwell, who comes in 0 uh, 3 in his career. So, um, uh, tough opponent for Chad, but I, I don't even know why Ochocinco's doing this. I guess money, uh, it probably needs it. Uh, but those are the uh, four fights that are on the main card. They have untelevised prelims, so who knows if we'll ever get to see any of these, but we probably don't even want to. Um, there's a guy fighting on this card. His record is 5-12-1. and one. Uh <laughs> He's, he's fighting a guy who's 4-0, trying to, you know, move up in undefeated ranks. Uh, there's uh, many guys fighting on this card that have never fought before. Uh, 
two fights to start off the night. All four competitors never have been in a boxing ring fighting for uh, any legitimate cause at all. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll just crazy, uh, weird prelims. I don't even know where they find all these people, but um, a ton of guys that, yeah, barely have ever fought. We've got uh, records of 1-0, and 1-1, and 2-0. and um, the, the main fight in the prelims is a guy named Gene Torres, 18-0 uh, and 0 with 14 KOs, fighting a guy 10-7-1 with 5 KOs, Zach Kuhn. But bit of a farce. I don't know why I would have mentioned it. I, I figured you probably weren't interested to see it. But um, it's getting press. It's getting money. It's getting things thrown at it. Um, we've been told that Tyron Woodley is uh, Jake Paul's uh, next opponent and uh, he's already, or Logan Paul, sorry, uh, his next opponent. Um, man. Yeah. So, so bizarre that these things keep happening. And uh, yeah, I, I, I really wish that it wasn't because it is giving boxing a bad name and, and boxing has had enough troubles over the years that it doesn't need more of this. Yeah. But at the same time, boxing's always been about one thing, the almighty dollar. Yeah. Does it make money? Perfect. Put it on. And for whatever reason, hey, man, I, I guess I, I'm more of a boxing aficionado. I like, I, I like to watch the real guys go to work. Um, and, I, and I don't blame those other two. Uh, the two fights that are actually with real boxers. They're probably looking at it from the standpoint of eyes on their fights. And then also, too, maybe they get a little bit of the pay-per-view money as well. So yeah. they, they get a little bit more. Hopefully, yeah. So, and I, I'm, all, I'm all right with that. It's just yeah. unfortunate that you're on that because I'm not going to watch you. I'm not going <laughs> to watch that. Yeah. I'm just not. I'm not going to spend my hard-earned money to watch that. Yeah. That's for other people to do that. So... I, I would prefer that the real boxers just go on real cards, you know, just go on the big super fights and stuff and do that. Because Badu Jack has been on those fight cards and he should be on those fight cards again. Yes, that's where I'll watch you. That's where I'll watch you do your craft. I just, I refuse to watch this. No. I'm not a fan. It's not no. me. Well, anybody that wants to watch uh, 15 minutes away from the uh, the card starting, so uh, yeah, uh, you know, if you like Tiger King in a in a boxing ring, here you go. Um, yeah, there, there. That's the that's a wrap to this episode. Uh, we had uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun. Obviously, it's uh, the playoffs are our NBA playoffs are so great. There's been some phenomenal games um, coming down recently. Uh, great to see these matchups. Uh, as these better and better teams are emerging, uh, I'm excited about, um, you know, what's ahead. And uh, the UFC was great this weekend, but next Saturday, holy cow, don't miss it. Uh, one of the best cards I've seen, uh, two title fights and stacked card throughout. Uh, let's hope there's uh, no fall-offs out of this card and we get to see an incredible event uh, from Arizona next Saturday. Thanks, yeah, I, I, I really hope that there's no COVID doesn't rear its ugly head to ruin any of these fantastic matchups. I am looking forward to it, and I'm especially looking toward to the little guys going getting after it because that that will probably be your fight of the night. Yeah, that will probably be your fight of the night. I'm just yeah. I said it here. You heard it here first, people. 
Yeah. I, don't know, I don't think you heard this, but uh, yesterday I received some shocking news. There was a, um, a golf tournament going on, and uh, one of the golfers, uh, his name is John Rom. He's a Spaniard. He was leading the tournament by six shots coming off the 18th green after the third round, uh, walked up, and a couple of guys came out of the crowd, uh, stopped him, started talking to him. He bent down, and, and he started weeping. And uh, a lot of people had no idea what had been told to him. Uh, a lot of people were really scared and worried that, uh, you know, if some family member had some health trouble or and there's been an accident or something. He was informed that he had tested positive for COVID and was kicked out of the tournament, had to withdraw immediately. And uh, his six shot lead, his million dollar check that was almost being written, uh, one round to go, six shot lead. That was it. He was gone from the tournament and uh, COVID reared his ugly head and he was out and into quarantine. It's uh, it was pretty crazy and uh, shocking news around the sporting world yesterday and uh, tough for him. Yeah, I, I, I did hear about that. And I was just like, wow, like how, how first off, I was kind of like, how, how, how did they not catch it quickly enough? Like why? Mm -hmm. Why, how did they not catch it? But then again, at the same time, that's what this, this, this particular virus does. Mm -hmm. It's hard to catch at times. Mm -hmm. And it sucks that it cost him literally a million dollar check yeah. that he was about to win. Because that's probably the best he's played all, all year. And then that, that's what happens to you. So I hope that once he gets through his COVID and everything else, that he comes back and in, he wins one of these tournaments because... He definitely deserves that. After going through this nonsense, yeah, he deserves that. And I understand that's what they had to do. Like, I get it. I get yeah. it. It sucks that it had to happen to him in that way. Yeah, I guess they had contacted him earlier in the week and said he had come in close contact with someone who had tested positive, so they needed to test him. They had tested him day after day after day, negative, negative, negative. And all of a sudden, you know, third round in, it was insane that, uh, you know, they finally – found a positive test and uh, said, see you later. Uh, I don't think they handled it well, though. I think they should have done it in a private uh, tent or an area where he left after he left the course. They could have, you know, just had him go and, and tell him then. But, uh, yeah, it was really tough to see. And, and this is on the heels uh, two weeks away from the U.S. Open, just about to start. And uh, he is one of the favorites going into that. But, Sitting in a hotel room for two weeks while you're quarantining probably is not getting you ready for uh, this upcoming major tournament. And so he's going to have a hard uphill battle to compete and at the top uh, of the leaderboard on that tournament, too. So it cost him a million dollars probably yesterday and probably, um, you know, probably could have cost him much more going out further. But. Uh, let's hope he's healthy. Let's hope his whole entire family and everybody surrounding him uh, can recover really quickly from this. And um, yeah, uh, it was it was a you know a, one of those things that sort of sent shockwaves through the sporting world yesterday and was uh, pretty surprising to to see it happen right in front of your eyes. Yeah, uh, especially with the fact that he had such a commanding lead, yeah. like like such a commanding lead. Like anybody else could have got it. You know what I mean? Like anybody else could have got it who's maybe in the background, but not the leader, not the guy that's like, well, 
He's on one. He's looks like he's gonna win. Wait, he's not. I got a chance. All right, <laughs> like like it, it yeah. sucks. It sucks. It sucks yeah. for him. Um, and I and I want to say no competitor wants to win that way. No. Nobody wants to win that way because no. whoever won that tournament was like, well, I won, but I probably shouldn't. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Crazy. Okay, man. Well, uh, yeah, I heard you got a, uh, a dinner to go to. So, Hey man, I appreciate it as always. It was fun. I'm glad we could do it a little bit earlier. I'm heading off for a couple of day vacation here. Uh, so really looking forward to that. So, uh, have a really great week ahead. Have a nice dinner tonight. Uh, I know how much you love food. So you, uh, put on a big smile, uh, bring some Tupperware, put on your stretchy pants and, and go do us <laughs> proud. Yes. Yes. I'm going to do all of those things. So thank you very much. And you have yourself a great holiday over there on the island. Thanks buddy. Okay. All the best. All right. Take care. We'll talk soon. Okay. All right. Cheers, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah, we, uh, we had a long, long conversation today. That was a lot of fun. Great to talk basketball and uh, mixed martial arts, as always, with Jason. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Hope you've enjoyed the Complete Media Network. Please go to completemedianetwork.com, and you can get access to the whole entire network, all of our platforms, all of our websites, all the fun we're having. Uh, support uh, some of the great people that have taken the time to be guests for us. We've had some fantastic guests recently. Thank you so much to Nick Mather, Corey White, Empress Sunbow. We've got fantastic people coming uh, up in the coming weeks. So uh, yeah, appreciate your support as always. Love you guys so much. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Have a great week ahead and stay safe. Bye for now.